and welcome to the Geeky Brummy Podcast. Joining me this week, Mr. Guy Alford. Guy Alford? Yeah. Who's that? Guy Walford. Guy Alford. Guy Guy Walford. You've been renamed in honour of the ALF reboot. (laughs) And Mr. Nate Crowley. Welcome. Hello. That's it? Just just... Yeah, I'm gradually picking <laughs> off all of the other guests until it's my show. Yes. Um, Keith's got a bad back this week, so hope get, you feel better. Get well soon, you lovely, yeah. lovely man. I want to see you up on, the, up on those feet. <laughs> up on that Zimmer frame going to stage <laughs> like a beach boy. Oh, man, that's tragic. <laughs> and then Phil Ellis has dumped us for free wine. It's on brands. But anyway, there's three of us. We're going to have great fun. What are we going to do today, right? Well, first we usually talk about what the hell we've been up to this week. Nate, do you want to start us off? Yeah, I've been uh, writing, um, trying to write some story for a video game, which as usual I've had to sign saying say I can't talk about, so that's really boring. Um, I've been attempting to get my child a passport. Uh, she's five weeks old, doesn't really like to stay still for the photos. Does she look like Steve McFadden in the picture? As all babies yeah, tiny angry Phil. <laughs> <laughs> she got a fist up in the picture. <laughs> <laughs> Saw you at. She was doing a lot of hollering. Um, so yeah, that's that's been me. Mm-hmm. What, can we try and guess like what you're writing for? Or we, uh, you... Yeah, go on. Um... A procedural fish stew cooking simulator. Oh, that's right, yeah. Uh, um, I, no, I was going to try and wade into a God of War pun with Cod there, but I don't do fish puns. I think that's the lowest common denominator of all humour. Uh, good guess, though. Are you writing a sequel to Parappa the Rapper? Uh, no, no, I'm not. Although, it's just honestly, sheer bliss remembering that game. Uh, I'm actually doing the, uh, the sequel to... Um, well, I say the sequel to James Pond 2 Robocult. Um, but of course, that had a sequel uh, with the Aquatic Games. Uh, did it? Yes, it did. It was awful. Um, it, for those of you not in the know, this was classic 16-bit uh, Mega Drive title. The original, James Pond. Licensed to Gill. Yeah, it was a fish pun game, actually. We gravitated back to here. And it was a sort of a James Bond parody with a, with Goldfish. Um, the second game made things a bit weirder in that he was now Robocop, and he was trying to save Father Christmas, and his body could extend infinitely upwards. It's something like that. It's been a long time since I've played James Bond. Yeah, it was... I'm being very colourful on the Amiga. I had a Commodore 64. I've still got the music stuck in my head, and this was 1991. Yeah. And then the third game was just one of those like really awful athletic simulators where you mashed buttons. Why uh, well, like Daily Thompson's uh, Dictat- uh, Decathlon, yes. Yeah, well... Maybe really. an Atari 2600 joystick broken with that one. Who needs Spider-Man? <laughs> Who <laughs> needs modern gaming? Let's go back to the way everything looked like a mobile game and played worse, but without in-app purchases. I just I can't believe people do battle royale games on mobile. Uh, I was watching someone play Plunk Bat or PUBG on on a phone the other day. It just looks it's how, so stressful. How what? can you see anything on that? What's Plunk Bat? Plunk Bat. Ah, oh, right. So PUBG. P-U-B-G, Player Unknown's Battlegrounds. Right, okay. Abbreviates really satisfyingly to Plunk Bat. Oh, Plunk Bat. That's right. just nice to say. Okay. <laughs> I've been, I 
for something else, I researched the history of Battle Royale games, and it's really weird because you have Fortnite, which goes back to PUBG, which goes back to a Minecraft mod, which was Minecraft Colosseum or something like that, which is basically like that. And then after, before that, it's Battle Royale the movie, basically. I didn't realise Minecraft had a, a, a link in that chain. Yeah, Minecraft had a Battle Royale mode before Fortnite and PUBG. It's got the worst combat system of any game. I mean, what's the point of Minecraft? Just get some Lego. It's very relaxing. Is it? Yeah, I took it up again a a little while ago. Because I played it a bit when it first came out. And I had another go a couple of weeks ago. Built a lovely shed with some turtles in it. (laughs) See, uh, that that is perfectly fine. And that's the point of the game. It's people who build, like, these fantastical cities and stuff like that. It wasn't a fantastical city, Ryan. It was was a shed. But it did have turtles. (laughs) But it's like... How do you have time to create like a Disney castle in Minecraft? I mean, at least they're not doing something else, so, that's, so I'm glad they're doing that. They could be doing crime. <laughs> or battling royally. Crime. Just generic crime. <laughs> Scooter abuse. Bad crime. <laughs> naughty crime. Doing bad crimes with drugs. <laughs> sounds like a Beano article, which will be coming on to later. Oh, uh, yeah. Speaking of Beano. Oh, we've got treats. Yes. Guy, what have you been up to? Uh, I've been racking up some cheap gigs. So, like, do you know what my total... Well, we spoke about Brian Wilson last yes. week. Uh, which we're not allowed to discuss where we got the tickets for Brian Wilson. Did you do Ooh. crime? <laughs> no, we didn't do crime. It was a steal, though, Nate. It was a... <laughs> <laughs> if you go to see movies second. <laughs> um, oh, I see. So I've been racking up other free gigs. Um, so Garbage played a car park in Digbeth. Like, Brian Wilson played a car park in Digbeth. Oh, Rock I heard this was amazing. It, no, right, okay. How about Maximo Park? He, he, I don't know why that man still wears hats. <laughs> and he's got, he, he got everybody was buzzing when they played a price and pressure. It's kind of like it's like your one hit, really. It's like, uh, um, but yeah, garbage. Okay, then they were good. They were really good. They still got it. But it was the version two album tour, so okay. they played all the version two, which is good. I like that record. Then they just played a load of B-sides from that era. They didn't play anything from the debut. Really? Yeah. Which is your favourite record out of their entire catalogue. Yeah, it's like the best one, so it's just a bit... Now she's um, she's advanced in years now, but still an astonishing yeah, she performer. Good. Like... Oh yeah, she's a good performer as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to be reasonable. Um... <laughs> yeah. she, she did go on a bit too much about politics, though. She was in the whole, like, you know... F Trump and all that. It's kind of like, yeah, yeah, we've all heard it, you know, we've all, we all know it, yes, we get the idea. Was it a bit of preaching to the, to the choir? A little bit, yeah. yeah. Did you get close to the stage this time? Not as much, but I nearly, I nearly ended up in a, a bit of a fight, actually. Um, you are a liability when you're out anywhere. Right. I'm wearing my leopard print coat out. It's good, readers. It's a fantastic piece of iron clothing. It is your biggest Pat Butcher fan. Yeah. So there's this guy, he's dancing, he's drunk out of his mind, he's dancing like a moron, whacks into me, I, t- I accepted it, fine, whatever. Then he chucks a drink in the air, and it goes over my coat, and I'm like, no, I'm not having that. It's- Don't feed the leopards. Yeah, exactly. So I tapped him on the arm, it's like, why are you chucking drink around? And he starts kicking off at me, and I'm like, you're chucking drink around? And then his girlfriend gets involved and is like, what's happened, what's happened? I was like, she's just checking Jenker out. She has a massive go at him and has to drag him away. What's nice though is Laura, Laura, my girlfriend, stepped in to defend me. 
So you, you could have just withdrawn a cricket ball on the end of a piece of string and given a meaningful look, diffused the situation. <laughs> I thought he was going to hit him with the ball on the end of the string. No, it's you know, it's it's just like walk softly and carry a big stick, isn't it? I mean, it's a cricket ball on a string. But like the the audience there were like late thirties, early forties, you know, that sort of crowd. Who's chucking a drink? Do you know what I mean? Like, you know, everybody was quite civilized. He didn't read the room, did he? No. no. Were, there, were there any teenagers there? No. It's really that's quite sad, really. Yeah, it was. Uh... There, I've lamented for modern youth. <laughs> What's next? Uh, I saw Barry Manilow live as well. Is he alive? He's, he's very much <laughs> Just alive. Just about. Yeah. I'm a huge Barry Manilow fan. That's Did, fair. He, look, did he look like um, the old lady in Brazil with the amount of plastic he, surgery? He yeah. doesn't... His face doesn't look great. I'm not going to lie. But he still moves around the face. <laughs> like nothing... Like, like a human. human. <laughs> you make him sound like a busted animatronic. <laughs> right. He's... Uh, no, he was great. I loved it. It's a chance to see Barry on a, on a reduced price. Um, I can't complain at that. <laughs> would you have preferred Barry from EastEnders at a reduced price? Because <laughs> um, Barry Oakey's been cancelled, which was supposed to be like the, the crown in Digbeth. What's Barry Oakey? Which was Barry from EastEnders coming and hosting a karaoke evening. Oh my god. Idea for a reality show called I'm Getting Buried in the Morning. <laughs> Uh, where you have breakfast, but well, regular people have breakfast with Barry from EastEnders. I like that. Alternate idea: Barry Oaks, which is Barry Manilow, and Barry from EastEnders living in a retirement community home together. <laughs> Super Barry Oakart, same <laughs> but with racing. <laughs> or just trundling around a very small go kart. It'd be very good, actually. What other Barrys could we add? We could add Barry Scott from the Silip Pang adverts. What other Barry? Barry Chuckle, is he the one who died? Yes. <laughs> I'm really sorry that was that's genuinely not meant to be a sick joke. I just Don't forgot. dare say what you was about. Michael Barrymore. <laughs> he, he's also deceased, I think. Is he? Nah, you haven't laughed. Barrymore's dead. I think... I'm going to have to Google. It's Michael His Barrymore. His career definitely is, but... Oh no, someone died at his <laughs> oh, house. Oh my god! Oh no! Oh god! I'm going to have to leave the show. Uh, <laughs> The, the opinions of Nate Crowley do not represent Kiki Rummy for legal reasons. <laughs> oh, so oh. Moving on from the Barrys. Uh, yeah, please, please. The other thing that happened to me this week is there was another incident. Uh, I went to go and get a sandwich on my lunch break. This guy's in the in the sandwich shop talking to some geeky girl and she's like proper into Marvel or like really into it. I don't know whether he fancied or something like that. Anyway, he's like, oh, I'm having next week. I'm, having, I'm on the week off work next week. It's like, okay, whatever. Oh, I'm just waiting for my sandwich here. And he's like, oh, yeah, because uh, I've got my MOT done and uh, I need to think about my life. So, based on that sentence, I've already already not taken a shine to this guy. I'm thinking, like, well, what is going on with you? That's a strange chat-up line, yeah. So, I mean, having an MOT and then thinking about my life means I'm checking if the exhaust is working. Oh, yes. Oh. <laughs> well, okay. I'm no longer the darkest on the show. No. Thanks, Ryan. Uh, <laughs> That's the only connection I can think of, MOT. Yeah, that's and, the implication, isn't it? Yeah. That's, well, what happened then? So then he starts talking to her about Marvel, because I think he's thinking, like, hang on, if I, if I want to get in here, I need to start talking about Marvel. So he's like, oh, like, I watched Spider-Man Homecoming, I like, really enjoyed it, like, it's really good. And, and uh, Okay, cool, I'm listening in at this point, I'm eavesdropping. Then he drops the big one, he turns around and goes, didn't like Black Panther though. 
really didn't like it. Oh, I no. turned around and gave him the dirtiest look. Like, I just, like, oh, he must have fell into the ground because I just turned around and went, you've just said the wrong thing. Some films, even if you don't like them that much. Yeah, because well, yeah, say, saying I didn't like Black Panther much is basically the same as I'm not racist, but... Well, that's the thing I should have turned around and shouted racist. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, you can... Yeah, 90% of the time you can see where it's going. Like, it wasn't a perfect movie by any means, but yeah. I'm really glad it exists. Even if it had been dull as dust. Yeah. like It's got a particular audience. And yeah. if you're not part of that particular audience, move along. It's not a banging thing to say you don't like, no. <laughs> also, what, how was Spider-Man Homecoming better? Like, it was good, but it, like, how is it, how is it even at any level compared? Like, do you know what you need to spend the next week doing? It's contemplating your film choices, mate. Because that girl ain't going out with you. Where was this in Subway? Or? I know there's a sandwich shop by where I work. Oh, I'm just branding it uh, <laughs> needlessly, sorry. Subway sandwiches. Perfect for your lunch. <laughs> Sponsor us, please. What have you been doing? Uh, injuring myself. I mean, this guy needs a wheelchair. He's always injured. What's what's busted? Toenail. It's quite specific, but did you drop a boulder on no. your foot? No, I reversed a door over my little next to little toenail. How Ooh. did you reverse a door? My lovely wife surprised me with a very cold hand on my back as I was pulling the door open, which made me pull the door a little bit firmer than I was expecting. You hulked out and masked your own foot. Yes. Classic. So I phoned the wonderful NHS Choices, 111 if you have any other number, and they referred me to the hospital. So I sit at the hospital for an hour and a half and I went, yeah, that doesn't look nice. Go home. Has it gone manky? It's, it's, it's gone the colour of what I could imagine Marilyn Manson's Current Can I look, we look at it? Is it like the geezer's finger off shape of water? The, the toe itself isn't too bad, it's just the toenail is. Oh, that's gross. It's like a raisin, mate. <laughs> so basically, now I have to wait uh, under the nurse practitioner's instruction for my toenail to fall off. It's like a stone filled with wine. Yes. <laughs> it's, it's like I have to wait for the toenail to fall off and regrow. It's like I'm the most rubbish version of Deadpool ever. Yeah, thanks. I hate it. Um, Viv, can I ask you a question as you are in the room? Uh, did he milk it? Did he properly milk did it? Did he milk his rotten toe? <laughs> did, did, did he milk his injury? Like, ah, it really hurts. Like, I don't think it would have hurt that badly. Have you ever hit your toenail? No. Don't pretend that you know what the. I want to know. I want to know the opinion of your wife it, to know N- whether you were a crybaby or not. The NHS Choices article said, whilst extremely painful and one of the most painful things it is, it's not that dangerous. Did he milk it? It was extremely painful. <laughs> That's the look of her. Her face is like, yes, he definitely, he definitely acted up to it. A I bit. went back to work on the afternoon. I'm not but taking then, that from your you. Your toenail be extremely painful if you did it anyway. Coming from the man shall who... We, shall we test it with Di? <laughs> no. Shall we reverse a door over your foot? Shall I get <laughs> the testing hammer? Yes. Let's begin. <laughs> Viv, was he very angry at you when it happened? Yes, he was. <laughs> <laughs> I was just not expecting a cold hand on my back at 8.30 in the morning when I'm getting ready for work. <laughs> but anyway, I would have liked to have seen this happen. That, that was the injury done. But I've also had so it sure was an exciting week. Yes, but I've had something finally arrive, which I've been waiting a few months for. Oh, I know what this is. It says fragile on it. Oh. Fragile. Is it a new toe, mate? No, it's not a new toe. 
but I could fashion one out of this lovely foam insert. <laughs> I mean, well, it's pretty close colour. Yeah. But it's something I've been waiting for a while. I won a competition on the Twitters. Congrats. A few months it's ago. It's probably the only place they went Laced records. Listeners, it's the size and shape of a pizza, but the sender may belie that. I, I like how it comes in a double cardboard wrap for its protection. Yeah, they really haven't packaged it to be opened on radio, have they? No. We're getting there. But Ryan, I'm quite familiar with this type of packaging. Yes. Oh, is that the soundtrack to Doom? It is the soundtrack to Doom on vinyl and CD. 2016 Doom or...? 2016. Wow. So it has rip and tear. So I have a lovely CD version and a sexy Doom Slipknot. That's really cool. Oh, he wants a Doom Slipknot. Uh, counterpoint, <laughs> who doesn't? <laughs> you can touch and feel the Slipknot. Oh there yeah, I just found myself with it like a millionaire. I mean, I mean, the DJ MF Doom, I assume, would like this Slipknot. Oh, yes. I just love MF Doom. Everything he touches turns to MF Doom. <laughs> of course, you've seen the photo of him officiating a wedding? Yes. Yeah, he's the best guy. I like his mask. Isn't he from Ealing? I don't know. No, he's definitely British. Yeah, I, I want to say he's from Ealing. Because I had a very good friend who's from Ealing and like had a radar for anyone else who'd ever existed in Ealing. I thought it said digital game soundtrack on the vinyl box then. It doesn't, it says original. I mean... That is a gorgeous box. It's got like spooky pentagrams on the back. Nice. That was a spooky <laughs> noise. Yes. I think you should just sell it, to be honest with you. I'm not going to take these. Do I take these out of the wrap or leave them in the wrap? Who's going to listen to four records worth of doom music? Imagine just putting that on like for a relaxing date night at home. I, mean, I might slip this into the local coffee shop selection. See what happens, yeah. yeah. I, mean, like, I mean, listening to Rip and Tear whilst having your latte in the morning would probably get people invigorated for their day. Can we play some on the show? Uh, no, due to copyright issues. Oh yeah, listen, yeah, listen, don't do that. Listen to do some that. of these uh, song titles here, though. So you've got Hell Walker, Authorization, Olivia Pierce. Devil Punch. <laughs> Flesh and Metal. Stabbo. Ties that bite. Bio Waves. Fire Gun. No, that's my favourite. Transistor Fist. Transistor Dr. Samuel Hayden. Transist- the Stench. Dr. Samuel Hayden, that's the least metal sounding thing I've heard. Oh, okay. That's after Transistor Fist. This is my favourite huh. one. Uh, it's, uh, it's on the final vinyl. Skull Hacker. Skull Hacker, that's, that's, uh, that's my burlesque name. Yeah, that's <laughs> lovely. I mean, they are beautiful records. And, I mean, the cover art alone is worth it. The cover art is awesome. I feel actually. like he's kind of like been paid to say this. Like, if you, if you are the person who has this record, then you can promote it on your show. I'll describe uh, what's on the covers. There's one with a big sort of demonic shed <laughs> with a metal. Um, the metal has horns. There's one with a big sort of metal brain spider with a lot of pipes coming out of it. It looks a bit uh, technological, that one. Then there's a big kind of... Uh, there's another shed, really, uh, with some gibbets hanging off it and uh, some dungeony bits. And then finally, there's a sort of another big metal spider. Looks a bit medical this time, hovering over someone in a bin bag. Is it the spider from Wild Wild West finding new employment in the hellscapes of Mars? It is, actually, yeah, after getting binned by Will Smith. It's uh, re-emerged in 2016 uh, 
Horror Shoot 'em Up Doom. That's a lovely. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, so it might go up to rotation. Yeah, maybe the maybe music. maybe just sell it. We enjoyed narrating uh, those album <laughs> covers. Might might see if there's uh, there's a line of audio work somewhere to do with that. <laughs> That'd be great for audio description on Amazon. Yeah, so it's describing like, You only ever get the front cover on Amazon, so they could describe the inside. The okay, cover so of this record <laughs> depicts a demonic shed. What am I describing then? Four men walk across a road. Is that Abbey Road? Well done! Oh, that's quite a good game, actually. Um, oh, just well, I don't really know any albums. A, a banana. Man, a man thrusting. <laughs> a man thrusting his crotch toward a lady on a seat whilst two dangly balls are between his legs. Rumours. Oh, an over oversaturated picture of someone wearing pink Lurex trousers on a green background. I don't know. That's Beck's Midnight Vultures. Oh, nice! A dog jumping over something. <laughs> Is that Beck Odelay? It might be, yeah. <laughs> We're on the Beck train. Uh, a black velveted gloved hand touching a lady's buttocks. Spinal tap. Nope. That is so noisy, do it later. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, what, what was it? Someone of a glove touching. A black velted hand touching a lady's bottom. I swear that spinal tap smell the glove. <laughs> it's with, with her cold hand. <laughs> it's good, but it's not right because they never released that album because they did the black album instead. Oh, smart, smart. Smart, what? Oh. No, I've run out of albums. Oh, I'm big big Indie, 2000s. What? Are we still playing? I've lost yes. track. Yeah. Oh. Black velvet gloved hand on a lady's bottom. Oh, Strokes, is this it? There you go. Oh, okay, good, good. Yeah. Forgot about them. Literally forgot about <laughs> Strokes. <laughs> well, is it because that album title, is this it? Is oh, that what you're giving us? I've got one. Man walking down the street. Of a man walking down the street. The man walkers. <laughs> Two men walking down the street opposite directions. Nope. What's the story, Morning Glory? Never a big oasis one. That's good. That's good. Yeah, I can't. A couple of d- greyhound dogs. Blow apart life. I've got yeah. it on my wall in my house. The problem is, this has become word association now. It's yes. hopping between connected bands. I'm going to get back to Palm Beach in a minute. Uh, yes, the circle is complete. Some men feeding uh, a donkey or a llama. Well, no, you've got to specify the animal. Like, <laughs> I think it's a, a donkey. Could, it could have been broad, a tiger. That's a pretty broad church, sir. I think it's a donkey. No one? The horse feeders? No. <laughs> Pet sounds. Is it? Yeah. It's a terrible cover. It's not. This is a really slow way to learn about classic albums, but I'm here for it. I I think it's time to move along to weird news. Yeah, it wasn't as good as game as I hoped it was. Sorry. Sorry, folks. I'm going to suck this one surreptitiously over the course of the next five minutes. That's recorded. (laughs) Good. I stand by it. Weird news. Weird. Weird news. I've chosen one story today. Mm-hmm. Is it good? It, Is it, that because two people abandoned us? <laughs> no, it's a Bobby Perler. Oh, 
the language again on this show. Bobby Perla. From The Telegraph. Not my favourite paper on this one, but it's good. 1930s class war reignited in Oxfordshire as council only paves rich end of road. Mm. Alright. This is from Johannes Lowe. No. No. Hans Lowe. From Kingdom of Furious. Johannes Lowe. Right. Just to confirm. What yeah, rela- that, the, yep. What relation was Onslow? He was Hyacinth's brother in law. Right. God, she was a nightmare, wasn't she? Not fun, not good. I always felt sorry for Richard. Oh, yeah, wow. This is stuff I haven't thought about in a very long time. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, back to our new story. It was nearly 60 years ago when the wall, which once separated the rich and poor residents of a suburban road in Oxford, was torn down. What what kind of war was separating rich and poor people? It's not Berlin, mate. (laughs) Maybe David Hasselhoff came and performed on top of this Quite, yes. Probably would now. But now angry locals have accused the council of reigniting the class war after it only paved the new tarmac on the wealthier end of the street in Sunnymead, Cuttlesloe. Maybe they ran out. Oxford City Council only resurfaced the road to the intersection where the more affluent Wentworth Road meets the less well-off Aldrich Road. The decision has exposed the bitter tensions between the two communities as residents on the poorer side feel like the council are viewing Wentworth Road as a priority. One enraged vandal has sprayed the words Class War in bright blue plate and capital letters on the fresh tarmac in Potris. I'd lo- I'd like- and they didn't, they didn't draw like... A willy? No, they went with class war. Now, okay, I, I'm, I'm not usually, like, I'm not usually one to stick up for, for things like this, but I reckon it makes sense they redid that tarmac, because it's going to have got more worn down with all the Land Rovers, isn't it? Like, that <laughs> end of the road is probably a bit more threadbare. It's just... <laughs> I'm just enjoying the fact is there's been seething turf war for 80 years in a street in Oxfordshire, which has only just come to the bubble. After a bit of tarmac goes down. Yeah, I mean, was that the straw that broke the camel's back, or...? <laughs> I mean, is this going to, like, ignite the rest of Oxfordshire to rich versus poor? Also, where's the divide on that road? Is there, like, you know, a house with a massive golden top hat next to a shed? <laughs> like, how do, they, how do they delineate where the rich end begins? Is there a section of the... You know, were there like 20 feet of the poor section that got tarmac? Where do maybe, they stand in this maybe, class war? Are they maybe, Switzerland? Maybe like half. Maybe it's like a checkerboard pattern of tarmac. Maybe it's yeah. like, maybe like outside those houses there's a brown strip and at the bottom of the road it's like a big purple strip, like bluey purple strip. <laughs> <laughs> Naomi Langlays, who lives on the working class side of the street, said it was around April or May time that they decided the middle class side didn't deserve to be resurfaced. So... Deserved... <laughs> We waited patiently for Aaron to be resurfaced too and thought it was taking time as they'd run out of money or something. Could you just repeat that line of that? We waited for Aaron to be resurfaced. So we waited patiently for Aaron to be resurfaced too and thought it was just taking time as they'd run out of money or something. Do you think somebody's just sat there outside their house like, when are they going to do it? When are they going to do it? I'm sat here waiting, when are they going to do it? I can see a man with folded arms just at the delineation. Like... With an anchor tattoo on his arm. <laughs> just, just angrily waiting. staring. Yes. Probably. <laughs> so, probably the guardian of the neighbourhood, like a really specific Aquaman. 
just looks after that street. But soon we realised it was just the one end they were doing. Apparently we should put up with potholes at an even servicing. So what 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 blows have been struck in this last war? Is there a barricade? <laughs> well, well they, they're showing the demolition of a war that divided the two ends in 1959. Now, there actually was a wall. It's, it's a very civil tearing down of the wall. They've got ladders and proper hammers and everything. It's, yeah, that's quite a good uh, little historical shot, that, actually, yeah. <laughs> but so far, just the spray paint is the only delineation. Miss Langley said the class war had been a long-running joke amongst residents and the latest graffiti is a reaction to the different treatment received from the council's highway team. The infamous road still remains a separately named street since the wall was built by a thriving house developer in 1934 who tried cutting off the development from the former council estate. The two walls built by Clive Saxton's Urban Housing Company were nine foot high and topped with spikes. What a weird plug for that company. How much do you think they paid for that? Well, if there's still any of them left from 1934. Yeah, there's probably some, like, ancient burly man waiting for the the next politically charged wall to need building. Nine foot high and topped with spikes, though. People were bigger then. (laughs) Just herds of Oxfordshire people. Giants. Giants. Yes. Attack on Titan. (laughs) There were several unsuccessful tempers. Attempts in bringing down the walls, including a March 1936 where campaigners armed themselves with pickaxes to try and knock them down. Oh my god. There's an aerial footage of, of the delineation in the road. Let's, I mean, let's the houses this. look pretty much the same either side, but... Oh, come on. That's, that's, that's the same. <laughs> I mean, it's just a road. Just like... I was expecting like Scrooge McDuck's house <laughs> next like to a, someone a like twitching in a mud pit. Nice. A plaque now sits on the house which neighboured the wall and reads, Here lies one or two cut slow walls, erected in 1934 and finally demolished March 9th, 1959. Look, I, don't get me wrong, I really am quite left wing. I just think you've got to choose your battles. <laughs> And this isn't it. Do you think they were really upset when the Berlin Wall went up and it was like, well, our wall's now out of the picture. Yeah, we've no longer got the, you know, the most controversial wall in Europe. However, many residents who still live on Aldrich Road will not be surprised at the highway workers' actions as memories of their second-class status re-emerge. Miss Langley's, a mum of four, said, we have not moved on at all now. We have a visual divide. It's just so weird. It stops the exact spot that used to occupy the wall halfway down the road. The resurfacing is desperately needed at our end as well. It does make you feel second class and no longer a council estate. People have paid a lot of money for houses at this end. Well, that's because it's just the builders just trying to uh, stir the pot, isn't it? It's trying to wind people up. Oxford City Council said the only reason its services could be resurfaced one side of the divide was the road is still classed as two separate streets. Do you know what annoys me? It's that there's a picture of the plaque and it says the word erected that no one's drawn a comedy willy on it. Like... <laughs> That should have been... No one's you, Guy. No one's you. (laughs) It's in Oxfordshire, Guy. It's going to be slightly... They can can find penis comedy funny in Oxfordshire. (laughs) Well, one side of the road might not, but one might. (laughs) Depends which half of the side the erected them. A spokesman for the City Council said, Oxford Direct Services resurfaced Wentworld earlier this year. The decision to resurface this road was purely based on need. The structural condition is far worse than Wentworth Road and has led to the decision to resurface this road first. Wentworth and Aldrich are different roads and need to be resurfaced. And the need to resurface for Wentworth was greater. Oxford Direct Service will be inspecting Aldrich Road to assess the need for bottle repair. 
If someone had drawn a willy on that sign, all in all, I guess it would have just been another prick in the wall. (laughs) (sighs) It's nice to see that we're still living in 1930s England in one corner of it, at least. Yeah, that's... um, Was that local reporting or national? That was national reporting. That was in the Telegraph. Slow day. Yes. Telegraph, love a good password, don't they? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we can tell which side they go with. Joining me on Geeky Brewing today is the amazing Jess Anson. Hello, welcome. Hi there. And you're here to tell us all about the amazing event you're putting on early next year, which is Pod UK at Millennium Point. That's the one, yeah. Uh, it's, it's been a process. We, we first envisioned it about 10 weeks ago, and it's grown faster than I can even believe. It's amazing. So do you want to talk about the event and what you've got planned for the day? Yeah, sure. So um, podcasting has, it's been around for 15 years, but it's it's kind of grown a lot since Serial came out. Mm-hmm. Um, and I noticed that in the UK, there's the podcast festival is like the biggest podcast yeah. event. And that's, you go and watch a lot of podcasts, but there wasn't anything specifically for fans of podcasts, which I come from a community of podcast fans, and we meet up all the time. I just thought, well, there's a there's a community out there, why not build on that? Yeah, I mean, uh, the Geeky Rubber team, uh, we did get popped out to the Birmingham Podcast Festival a few months ago, which was a great yes. little experience to have in Birmingham. But you're going to be a slightly larger event on the day. So you're going to be, as I said, at Millennium Point taking over the platform area. And you already had a few guests announced? Yeah. So we have announced a couple of people from the Podcast Host, which Mm -hmm. is a massive platform all about basically making your own podcast. They are absolutely amazing experts on that. And then one of the guys, Matthew, he's got his own podcast called A Scottish Podcast. So he's Mm -hmm. going to be there presenting that. We've also got, we've announced our first audio drama of, I think, four We Fix Space Jobs which is an independent podcast about two uh, space engineers going around. It's like a co- space comedy kind of thing. What will be announced by the time this interview comes out is the No Sleep podcast, which is uh, extremely popular, I think, in the US and the UK, where yeah. they read creepy Reddit Creepy pasters. Yeah, Yeah. the creepy paster, which is. uh, Yeah, it seems to be the thing that's coming out nowadays is like this self created horror and this like um, fan produced horror seems to be a big growing industry at the minute. I think there's a few films coming out soon around stuff like the Slenderman movie, which was based on one of the more famous of the creepy pasters. So that sounds really fun and interesting thing to listen to. Yeah, um, David Alt, the guy who runs, uh, well, not runs it, but the guy who is the UK representative. Mm-hmm. For no sleep, was telling me that they just did like a, a world tour, like a US <laughs> tour. So they were getting like 4,000 people in the audience there. So it's definitely horror's got a pull, it really does. <laughs> <laughs> so you're going to have a really interesting, diverse mix of podcasts. And I think that's another yeah. great thing to pull out here because you mentioned stuff like Serial and some of the bigger podcasts have usually been mainly around true crime and stuff like that. Or you've had the NPR podcasts, which are documentary styles, but podcasting. It's one of those great enablers where anybody who feels like they have a story to tell can now use this medium. It's independent radio. It's fantastic. It's anybody can sit down with their friends and just chat for an hour and upload it to the internet, and it's a podcast. Yeah. And because of that, the we want to bring in as many themes as we can that are still... We want a Comic-Con sort of atmosphere. Yeah. So the, the podcasts that we're bringing in are definitely kind of of the geeky, nerdy variety, mm-hmm. if not comedy, that kind of thing. It sounds right up our street on <laughs> Geeky yeah, Brewery. Right. So, yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so those are four of, I think, if I'm remembering correctly, ten. It's difficult to keep 
10 in your head <laughs> podcasters that we're going to be announcing. So this is going to be on February the 2nd, 2019, but you have a lovely indoor space. So whatever the weather, it's going to be a great day. Yes, and I did double check with Million Point that they've got heating and they said yes. yes. So that's, that's good. It's all going to be a one-day panel, so it's not just going to be visiting seeing the podcast on you're going to have Q&A's people will be recording their shows live there there's going to be that's workshops that's right so we've also got as well as the platform we've also got the kind of fantastic auditorium space that's above the platform mm-hmm. which used to be an IMAX screen yeah um, the lovely giant screen <laughs> Yeah, yes. the lovely giant screen, um, which we do miss in Birmingham. Yes, so when, when, when I first walked in there, I was blown away because there's just a massive IMAX screen right in front of you. And um, the auditorium is gorgeous. That's where we're going to be holding the live episodes. A couple of panels about podcasting. Um, and then we're going to be doing fan meet and greets. We're going to have some merch from the podcasters. Uh, we're going to be holding workshops and even more besides We've got lots of little things planned for the day. As you said, uh, ticket prices are really reasonable as well. So you've got uh, early bird tickets are now currently available. So £15 a head. So this is a great chance if you are a massive fan of a podcast such as, as you mentioned, No Sleep or Podcraft or a Scottish podcast. This is a really great way to get a chance to get in and see quite early doors as well. Yes, it is. Yes. So, it goes on until quite late in the day. So we've got nine till six, mm-hmm. which means that we can hold... A decent amount of live recordings during the day and we have some really good ones lined up. I'm really yeah. excited about that. And you're also doing uh, special access and care tickets as well. Coming from online communities, you really get a feel for access. Like there's there's a lot of call for more events to be more access friendly and we definitely wanted to make sure that like we we booked a venue specifically that was all disabled access and Millennium Point is perfect for that. And I have some access people that I have that I can communicate with within my community. And they've been giving me lots of tips on how to best do the carer tickets. So we're, we're happy to have that at Pod UK. You're encouraging cosplay as well? Absolutely, yes. Cosplay is always a great thing that we love to support here at Geeky Rory, but it's kind of... I think, it's, I think it's one kind of the best of, things about podcast yeah. cosplay is that it's it's like your own interpretation. For TV shows and anime and whatever, you see the cosplay and you want to, you want to yeah. perfect it. You want to do every single detail exactly as it appears on the screen, which is also brilliant. I mean, the talent that people have is insane. I can't do it. But um, <laughs> with podcasting characters, there's no visual reference apart from maybe like Critical Role, which has pre-done characters. But for yeah. a lot of them, it's, it's your own imagination. You're just And, and yeah. yet, when you walk up to someone at a convention, they can still be like, oh, you're that character. It's One of our friends of the show, uh, Stacey Taylor, she was on a podcast called Reagan and Starburst, which is quite similar to We Fix Space Drink, where it's all about this um, two adventurers into this sci-fi comedy fantasy universe. That would be a really interesting way to do cosplay, because all you have is the voice to work with in in stuff like this, so it's kind of like, how would you imagine that character in your head? It's like doing a cosplay from a novel. 100%, and the creativity that these people have when they make these cosplays, I mean, we we just want to see all of them. Bring them them to Pod UK. (laughs) (laughs) You're also currently asking for volunteers as well at the moment. Yes, um, we have a decent amount, but obviously the more that we can get on the day, the better. So how would we get in touch with people wanting to volunteer? Um, for volunteering and for pretty much all inquiries, you can go to info at rocksaltevents.com. Where can we find you on social media as well, if you want to keep track and see the guests now and say you're going to have coming yeah. up? Yeah, so Pod UK was taken on pretty much everything, <laughs> as it's the struggle of social media. Um, so we are at Pod UK Con on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Obviously, email info at rocksaltevents.com as Rocksalt Events is my company that's hosting Pod UK. And if you keep an eye on the blog on your website, rocksaltevents.com forward slash blog, there's usually a few updates on there telling you what's going on, what to expect, what's coming up. Thanks very much for joining us today, Jess. Can't wait to see you February 2nd for Pod UK in Millennium Point.
No worries. Thank you very much for having me. So the Beano is celebrating a bit of a big birthday this year. It's very old. 80 years old. Venerable. Yes. Venerabino. It's good life expectancy to celebrate a little bit and the fact that me and Keith are at ICE right now. So if you want to head down to ICE and come and talk, see us talk about Beano. Ask for Ryan's autograph all day. Just keep bothering him all day. <laughs> ask him for his autograph. Are you Ryan Parrish? Let me have your autograph all day. And also ask him about how his experiences with things have been. Don't even let him write his names. Make him write the word Beano again and again. <laughs> But we thought we'd pick out three of our Beano annuals to go through. So, Nate, you have a special Beano annual with you? Yeah, I mean, when you know when you say this is a special favourite, it's <laughs> actually one I found on the street in Broccoli ten years ago. Um, <laughs> it's, it's got special memories for you. Yeah, I mean, it's funny. It's the Beano book, 1974. I <laughs> Kept you warm in the days when you were living <laughs> on the streets. Yeah, I sewed a sleeping bag together out of the pages. Uh, Dennis, the... Uh, the menace uh, troubled me to sleep each night. Yeah, you better to read at least. I will describe to you the cover of the Beano book, 1974. There is Biffo, the bear. He's a bear with a sort of a saggy pink nose. Um, and he's wearing a sort of a blamongi hat. He's hurling a pancake at a wall with what I can only describe as an expression of having given up but being happy with it. hes That's a face that's embraced chaos. It's really hard to transcribe on radio. My favourite part of that cover is he's wearing a chef's hat but he's cut two holes in it so his ears can stick out the top. Yeah, and he's a worthless chef as well. He doesn't deserve to wear it. I mean, in the background, there's Dennis the Menace and Nasha sort of wearing pancakes. Yeah, That's the um, latest style for 1974. Yeah. Is that the Bash Street Kids hiding in the corner as well? Uh, Yeah, they are the Bash Street Kids. They were a weird bunch. Every single one of them was like a bullying stereotype. The whole of Bastard <laughs> Kids was like a bullying manual. I'm not sure why I remember it fondly, because it was just like in, a hate in, guide. In, in my Beano researches, I actually found out the original title of that comic was When the Bell Rings. And I didn't rename it to the Bastard Kids till years later. Really? I just wonder what Bash Street is like. I mean, what a violent place. I feel like on Bass Street, there's like, um, like, like there's like a road where like one side has been tarmacked and the other side hasn't. <laughs> it's Lord Snooty lives at the other side end of Bass Street. Oh, Lord Snooty, yes. There wasn't class war on the Beano. There was also like one of the big morals of so many of the strips was just ruthlessly persecute anyone who doesn't display constant hard-eyed masculinity. Like Walter the Softy, his big crime in life was like having emotions. And like Dennis was given carte blanche to just persecute this child. In fact, I, I can't celebrate this anymore. Being a, you know, I'll dig your grave. Dreadful stuff. So you got Little Plum as well and you've got Bully, be- Bully Beef, was it? Little Plum, the Native American stereotype. Yes. A bit... Deceased. Yes. So I'm holding 60 years of the Beano and the Dandy. The Dandy is unfortunately no more. It died a few years back. Did it? Yeah. In 2014 it went online and it only lasted a couple of years. I think. Someone killed Desperate Dan. <sighs> See, now I'm sad It still again. comes out as an annual each year, so you can still pick up the Dandy annual. Well, I've got such mixed feelings about these weird old comics. I mean, the thing that gets me about the Beano is it's kind of a celebration of being a child and being rambunctious. And it's it's pretty much the two fingers to the teacher and adults. Adults were always viewed as stern, unforgiving. Beating you with a slipper. Yeah, across the bottom, which was one of the Beano favourites kind of thing. But it's always seemed like this is like rebellion against your parents. It was a so sort of you... a carrot and stick universe, wasn't yeah. it? With the slipper on one hand and the plate of sausages and mash as yeah. 
the reward in heaven. It was always kind of this thing of this were ki- these were always in my childhood anyway. These were the comics that naughty kids read rather than Walter the softy characters. They'd be like reading the eagle. And it's interesting because the naughtiness often led to indirect social goods. Yeah. Like, you know, Dennis the Menace would just set out to wreck someone's day, but accidentally, like... Make it perfect. Yeah, like, fix the church roof by throwing a dog <laughs> on it, I don't know. And then he'd be rewarded. The vicar would provide him with this vast meal. Um, everyone worked for exposure in the Beano, didn't they? <laughs> it's a freelancer's Bible. Yeah. <laughs> the Beano. <laughs> how, to, how to get ahead in media. But you're right, it does capture that spirit of petty, childish rebellion. Yeah. But really well. I mean, all the storylines are always really simple and really, really clean storylines. There's no confusion, there's no working up, there's no real plot to follow. It's usually something daft like Corky the cat wants a fish. And what lengths he will go to to acquire it. Yeah. Or Dennis, like, wants to beat up Walter but fails miserably at every turn and it's stupidity it really shatters the fourth wall as well and it's always done that in fact I've I've caught some more recent stuff they've done and it's actually it's quite funny the characters will talk to the reader quite a lot and be very aware of the fact they're in this comic with these ludicrous sort of 80 year old traditions yeah it's cool I mean a lot of the traditions have changed over time I mean over something like the last 80 years morals and things are going to change and the way just like the corporal punishment we remember in it from our childhood has probably been phased out quite considerably since now. Yeah, I think like these days it's probably rid of a lot of the things that I'm remembering more dubiously. Yeah. And it's probably just filtered out and got some of the nicer stuff and left. In it, I mean, it's a lot of children's introduction to reading. Yeah, it was the first thing I read regularly. Yeah, and it's ownership as well. These, these were magazines that you bought for yourself. I mean, the price is something they always kept reasonable. It started off at 2p an issue, I think. Do you remember when you got a free kit? Like a whistle or a lollipop or, or a refresher or some refresher chew or something like that. Look at these Scotsmen from 1974. So I just open a page at random. There's a bloke with a beard like a buffalo. It's amazing. The McTickles were written in tartan font. Again, this is probably a bit of a product of where it's from. It was founded in Dun- Dundee by DC Thompson. It was based in a corner office. It's really Scottish, isn't it's, it? It's, yeah, it's a very Scottish, it's very dry sense of humour. Even think about the character references, I mean, you've got Roger the Dodger, Battery Kids, uh, Dennis the Menace, Nasher, Nipper. Minnie the Minx. Minnie the Minx. These are names designed for children to learn quite easily, and they're still very popular to this day. I mean, Dennis the Menace has just had a barnstorming series on BBC TV. Can I just point out some of the names I've been looking in the back of the book I'm holding? It's the Dandy and Beano first 50 years, which yeah, means one. it's 30 years old at this point. So you've got one called Rip Snorter, that's a ball. Uncle Windbag, Bing Bang Benny, Black Bob the Dog, Pansy Potter. Tag yourself, I'm Uncle Windbag. <laughs> Tin Can Tommy. Podge. A book to the boy who lives in a barrel. <laughs> I know what end of that road he lived on, crikey. Brassneck. I mean, they've got some characters from when there was a World War magazine as well, because during the Second World War they flipped to a weekly issue of the Beano and the Dandy, but they parodied Mussolini quite a lot. Well, yeah, lots of people went off to, like, beat up Hitler as well. Yeah, and Hitler and... Yeah, Hitler and Hermann Goring and stuff like that. Uh, My three three favourites in the back of this book. Uh, Little Bird Called Cocky Dick. Chat with a... um, 
Park. I don't know, it looks like Liam Gallagher. Gobble, gobble, gurge. <laughs> sure is a name. Uh, and there's a chap called Barney Boko. He looks like he's got a baguette for a nose. <laughs> there's also Keyhole Kate with that. And Keyhole Kate, I remember from my childhood, she was basically a snitch and a snoop. Um, she's basically appearing through keyholes appearing yeah. through keyholes and she always got in trouble for doing that and it was kind of again these are mor- morality tales of the time of if you're going to appear through someone's keyhole prepare to get your eye jabbed and stuff like that or, or yeah. something else <laughs> there's, a, there's a story in here with some characters called Dick and Sally and Tom uh, and they met Joan Armour Trading really? Joan Armour Trading was a big fan of the Dino which I remember from a documentary which I watched recently which was an arena in 1988 talking about the Dino which oh. is around the time of that. I can't even think of a Joan Armour trading song. She's from Birmingham, did you know? Yes. Oh, I'm just looking through the old Roger the Dodger strips. This is a character, and again, it wasn't, with these some exceptions, like Dandy had Desperate Dan, who was an extremely strong, burly yeah. man. But for the most part, people didn't have superpowers. They had character traits, and Roger the Dodgers was trying to get out of stuff. Yeah. He would like, and he was quite an interesting character, I suppose, because the lengths he would go to to be idle actually made him very hard-working. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of, uh, and this is real utter highbrow <laughs> rubbish commentary on the Beano. But in a way, isn't he a commentary on uh, meta work ethic involved in being lazy? Being a shirk. I'm really trying my hardest. <laughs> but that's, that's again another thing about this. Most of the characters are either humanised animals or children. There's very few actual adults in there. I mean, even Banana Man, who used to be in the Dandy, he mild-mannered Eric the Child originally. Uh, as the ship going fast made the point of a shout-out to Banana Man. <laughs> yes. but, um... Notice how all the adults look the same as well. I'm just looking at Roger yes. the Dodger's dad. They've all got an RAF moustache, a chin like a watermelon, and an expression <laughs> of constant like patriarchal rage I mean, as they brandish slippers. I mean, Desperate Dan, I think, is the only adult-driven comic. In either the Beano or the Dundee. Yeah, it's kids are animals, yeah. Yeah. Or even Brassnick. I mean, there's a few others. There was Grandpa. Yeah. Spoiler alert, he was a granddad. <laughs> he's quite old. What do you thought about that strip? <laughs> jo- Jonah? He's an ugly man, isn't he? Look at him. Well, that was his whole thing, yeah. His, his neck was sort of like a bag, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's really bad. But that's the thing. This is why it's such simple storytelling. For Okay, I joked about Roger the Dodger and his, his meta work ethic, but there was not a single strip in the Beano or Dandy you couldn't sum up the premise of in like five words. I think you could sum it up with one word, which is an archaic word, which guys not going to like, but japes. Japes. Jinx. Get yeah. the language on this show. <laughs> like, I love the fact here, there's a whole two-page dedicated to people basically receiving an injury to the behind. But yeah, that's a load of people getting... But that's, it. That's, that's one of the key parts of the Beano was they found bottoms with him. And it is that kind of children <laughs> level of oh, humour. Yeah. The guy just laughed like a... <laughs> like Muttley at that. <laughs> Do I never like Dennis the Menace, though? Too close to home. I just felt he was a... Uh... Full of himself, really. He was a small fascist, really, wasn't he? he was a <laughs> tyrant. What What was your favourite being strip as a child? I like the Numbskulls, uh, which was about a community of small people who lived in a man's head. Like, I remember that. My uh, God. Yeah. This... It was like that French TV series that you always watched in school. Do you know? You... Yes, it was. It yeah. really was. Yeah, and they had... Um, I didn't realise DEPT was a short... Uh, shortening of department, yeah. so it's had like the brain depth 
the nose yeah. depth. And I spent years thinking, what's a depth? <laughs> what is a depth? Um, depth full stop, yeah. Yeah, it was brilliant. Um, because the, it would, the person would try to accomplish ordinary tasks like making a sandwich or whatever, and all the numbskulls would have all of this sort of like middle management confusion and like completely botched the messages <laughs> so it would end up spreading butter on his hand because someone had tripped over, you know, which is really quite a touching way of interpreting a stroke, I suppose. <laughs> um, but it was, yeah. It was it was good. It didn't really try to attempt any actual medical reality. <laughs> this is about some blokes living in an ed. Guy, what was your favourite? Uh, I like Lord Snooty because he's got cash. He he's money. got a dollar. <laughs> well, he didn't. Mummy and Daddy had the dollar. He's got. It's true. Um, he had a trust um, fund. He had the one great habit of successful people: rich parents. He was basically like the lead of the little rascals. Though. He like had like a group of like kids that kicked around here, and they were all like, "You've got money, let's hang out with you." He was like reverse Fagin, wasn't he? <laughs> so like, yeah, they, they just do stuff with money. Like, if I was like, I'd be friends with him because he doesn't want a friend with money. He's like Batman, but he never bothers being Batman. He's just the money guy. What's his name? Bruce Wayne. Yeah, I'm on on a geek radio show and I forgot Batman's name. I mean, like, looking at the pictures here, like, he seems very giving to his friends. So they're having, like, a train set dinner type thing going on here. He was a bit of a champagne socialist, really. Yeah. Yeah, he just spread the wealth. He just wanted company around him all the time. I don't get, like, what was with the thing one and two type. No way. He wasn't a champagne socialist. He was like some awful straw man justification for trickle down economics, is what he was. <laughs> I mean, um, again, Beano's problematic. Also, yes. rocking a solid bow tie and a top hat. I can dig that look. But he was uh, the original strip. I can't remember the character's name, but it's the guy who also drew the Bruins and Ooh Willie, which are two very oh. well recognised Scottish cartoons, and he did those prior to moving to the Dandy of the Beano, I think. Yeah, that's some real classic stuff. Which is hence his style. For me, it probably was Dennis the Menace. I'm a big Nasher fan. I love dogs. Look at this guy, Billy Wiz, though. He's got a head like an egg and this weird sort of <laughs> projection. Yeah. He's like a some sort of man unicorn. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't there a cartoon of his in the 90s? There was a, a thing I had in the back there called the Beano video. It was like short cartoons. <gasps> yeah, yeah I, I love those. them. I had the Dennis the Menace board game. Nice. It was like Monopoly, but you would be forever being chased around the board by like living slippers. I remember that. It was like I, an that. anxiety dream. Do you remember the Do you remember the series where like he was like a puppet and he used to be on Sky One like early nineties? Yeah. I mean, I had my Beano fan club membership as well. Oh yeah, with like the little Nasher badge, which was all furry. You, you had the furry Nasher badge. I had that. And, too. And the other, you had the other badge, which was I think it was Dennis the Menace. Dennis, yeah. Yeah. And a card in, in a little black plastic wallet that used to keep it. What did that achieve you? I used to carry that around with What did that achieve me in life? I Well, we just felt a sense of connection, didn't we? <laughs> and I just had a moment of Citizen Kane-like whimsy that I just don't know where it's gone. I should have treasured that. I wonder if you can get one on eBay. You can actually get them on the Beano website. I want to know if you can get them on eBay. The same. Yeah. So, the same. What, what, what was it called, Ryan? It was the Beano Fan Club membership pack. That it was. Beano Fan Club membership. Why, a, why didn't you watch trying to wind me up saying that? It's like, it's like the sound of the time, but it's quickly as I speak. I had a mug saying I'm in a menacing mood. Uh, I, oh. Do you know what? It's, it's just brought up loads of stuff for Liverpool FC. What do you think Nasher was like to the touch? Like, if he was a real dog? I imagine he was a really, like, wiry hair terrier. No, I think, you know, like, um, 
you know that uh, sort of packing foam, which is like lots of little slim pyramids? Yes. Of quite coarse foam. <laughs> yes. That's what I imagine Nasha would be like to stroke. Do you remember Nipper? Was that his little, like, scion? It was his little brother or son, I can't remember. Basically, he was a scrappy dude, wasn't he? Yeah, it? and he just yes. had a single tooth. Oh, yeah, he did. Yeah, his skull must have looked weird. Yeah. Oh, my God, people buy these for, like, a tenner on eBay. Shall we all renew our... Vino membership. Yeah, just, like, really go hard on this. And also, like, the badge, which was just Dennis Menace's face. They go for, like, four or five pounds. Well, I like how it was Dennis the Menace fan club as well. It's like, sod the rest of the Vino. Someone bought one for near enough 15... Someone bought one for 20 quid. Can I... 20 pounds. <laughs> Mint, though. <laughs> I don't Can care, that's not a breathe. That 20 pounds on that. Yeah? Wow. Worth every penny, mate. That's five pounds each for the badges, tenner for the cards. Yeah, it's mint in box. It's inflation. Wow. Right, can I offer a summative thought on, yes. on the Beano? Right. I think this is like for nostalgia purposes, and this is a kind thing I think I'll say about it. This is in hindsight what people who are into, and I say this with a dripping sense of only banter culture. <laughs> yeah. uh, like, sort of look back on with rose-tinted spectacles. Like, this is the acceptable face of banter culture, you know. Do you, do you think the Beano was the proto-lad mag? I think it's about as legitimate as that worldview ever got. Yeah. It's like you grew up from the Beano and the Daddy and went straight in FHM. And, and then, it, then it all goes wrong. What about this mag? This is a different thing. This is kind this of is amazing. pretty much political satire. Yeah. But the Beano is... Yeah, it's sort of... I, to me, it's still rambunctious for, for children. By people who want to be children. New games come out. Yeah. I can't play it because I don't have a PlayStation. You're rubbish at life in general. Get stuffed. Go, but I don't like you anymore. Get... Do you know who'd stop you saying things like that guy? Spider-Man. <laughs> He'd swing right in here and throw you into the air with a series of devastating combo moves. <laughs> Before webbing you to a car. Is it the Amazing Spider-Man? Or is the it Amazing just... Spider-Man, yeah. Yes. Is it the Amazing or is it just Spider-Man? I think it's Marvel's Spider-Man is the name of the game, isn't it? <laughs> it's called Marvel's Spider-Man, yeah. So, <laughs> what am I missing out on as you two both have PlayStation 4s? Well, a lot of hype. Credibility, Ryan, credibility. This game, just, I was buffaloed into buying it just by the sheer force of positive opinion online. I've um, seen the giant post with 9 out of 10 written everywhere on it. I felt I felt forced into buying it by the reviewers. Hard saying, yeah. So it's by Insomniac Net Games, and they've done some really good stuff previously. What else did they do? Sunset Overdrive, which was a really good game on the yes. Xbox One. Ratchet and Clank. Never played that, but obviously it's a class. Spyro the Dragon is what I was reaching in my head. Ah, uh, yeah, okay, okay. Yes. And Resistance Fall of Man, and the said about that is better. Yeah, I mean, Spider-Man is... Okay, my, my hot take, it's... Pretty much like a mid-2000s open world game, just with all of the technical polish and beauty and fighting that you'd expect from from a release this year. It pretty much feels like I'm playing GTA San Andreas all over again, Mm. but being a nice man, rather than a naughty one. The one thing you read about it, I mean, the last Spider-Man game, which was Spider-Man 2, which was one of the greatest games ever made, and it still held up as one of these great games ever made in the industry... Does this kind of match that? So I didn't play it. Yeah, I think it's um, I, it is the okay. No, I'm gonna I'm gonna say it. Uh, it's the best superhero game I've played. Uh, it most perfectly encapsulates 
the consequence free fun of being an immensely powerful humanoid. Like it's got a story that it rollicks you through. Um, one thing I hate about open world games is the fact you get you feel obliged to all these stupid side quests like you know in Skyrim you can't move ten feet without having to find a cabbage for some dejected Preston Garvey and Fallout Four. Exactly right. Whereas this. You just swing around from mission to mission. If you want, you can stop and ram a drug dealer's head into a brick wall or help the police turn on some surveillance cameras. You know, game's got some themes. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, you know, if you don't want to do that, that's fine. You can just go and do the missions. Um, you never feel like you're doing chores. Mm-hmm. Did you feel in some of the combat the people who have guns are annoying, though? Like... Like, you're trying to beat someone up, and then someone's at the back throwing a gun with you, and then you've got to think about that as well. It's, like, a little bit frustrating. Well, to be fair, doesn't that just teach us why man invented guns? But, to yeah. be exactly that irritation. <laughs> but it's got, like, webs that you can fire at them and, like... Yeah, but when you're not, gonna... like, an expert like me, Ron, you've got to think about what you're doing. Yeah, I take your point. Basically, I button mash. Yeah. I pretend I'm hammered and playing Street Fighter, and just... <laughs> mash my controller and it usually does alright. So how's the swinging mechanics which usually usually is the biggest part of a Spider-Man game? I mean like to compare it to something I mean it's uh, it's like like making love to your PlayStation controller it's fantastic. It is the swinging around is really nice really Um, well done. It's relaxing I find it I find it calming just swinging from building If that was all the game was it would still probably be worth 20 quid Yeah yeah, it's got lovely, exciting string music that plays while you swing around. Uh, so even if you're just... like You know that thing in open world games where you're just trekking between beacons? It makes that into an experience. And maybe it gets old, but it ain't got old for me yet. This, this has been an issue with the Ubisoft games that have been out recently. So Watch Dogs, Assassin's Creed, uh, Far Cry, they're pretty much all the same template, which is go and activate a tower somewhere on the map. Then you can see what's happening in the map and then do hundreds of side missions and then go and do the main campaign when you've beefed up enough that you can get past it. And you know what? This does exactly the same, but it does it better. It does it with better balance. As I say, it does it without making you feel like you're doing repetitive chores. It's just perfected the formula. I mean, because you've got to think Peter Parker's job as Spider-Man is kind of, it is a bit repetitive. He's out on the streets every night. But that, finding criminals around Manhattan. That's the cool thing. In the game, you do his job as Spider-Man and you do his regular job as a science boy. Mm. Um, and there's fun little science boy puzzles that you do. There's all kinds of little mini-games. So when you, you're sick of, you know, beating on ruffians and roustabouts, you can go to your science place and help... Gwen Stacy. Otto Octavius. Yeah, or... Oh, Dr. Octopus. Could, could it be? Really? Yes, yeah, so you help him with some maths or whatever, and it's mm. nice. Do you have to also get pictures of Spider-Man? You have to take pictures of landmarks. Like, that's one of the things... There's no J. Like... Jonah Jameson showing oh, is... you chewing he... a cigar, telling you to get pictures of Spider-Man. No, you listen to him on the radio because he's got an Alex Jones-style furious right-wing talk show <laughs> where he just talks about how Spider-Man's horrible all the time. It's great. It's called Info Spiders or something like that. It's genuinely called something like that. There's there's an in-game simulation of Twitter you can open at any point, which is full of people having Twitter arguments about Spider-Man. I haven't done that yet. It's really stressful. Like If you find Twitter stressful in real life, you really don't need it <laughs> rammed into your game. But I actually check Spider-Man's Twitter like very often. If Phil was here, he'd be laughing he, like does, a drain. Does he that. have his own account? Is he verified? on? Yeah, yeah, he's NYC Webcrawler. <laughs> 
Um, <laughs> couldn't get his own. Couldn't get his own. That's the joke, he can't, yeah. And like, when you're walking through the streets of New York as well, people say, like, oh, can you turn this way so I can get a photo? Uh, yeah. like, you know, it's, it's very well done millennial trope shabby yeah. uh, without feeling like that one picture of Steve Buscemi saying, hey, kids, how are you doing? Hold skateboard. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm really enjoying it. From what you both played so far, is there anything missing from the game that you would have liked? I don't know. Uh, maybe to go into buildings a bit more. Yeah, um, it is all very external, isn't it? And I feel I don't know. Uh, I'm 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 probably only about the third of the way through the game. I feel like it might get like I'm yet to play an open world game except for Horizon Zero Dawn that I've finished. Uh, even Skyrim, I never got to the end of despite loving it because it just gets too samey. This one could get samey, but I think I give it good odds of going the distance. I mean, because the rumored about a new game plus mode coming out soon, which is basically where you can carry over all your equipment and all the suits you've unlocked and stuff into a new version of the game. The enemies will be harder. That might give it life for people who are interested in replaying it. Yeah, if you're a completionist, if you really like collecting things and all that, you know, look, if you're the kind of person who's always really thrilled by a massive map full of icons, this game's got plenty of that. Have you have you gone to the top of Avengers Tower yet? No, I have not. Have you not? Is it good? Yeah. What happens? It's backpack up there. Cool. Okay. I'll but it's just it's just a concept of climbing up Avengers Tower. It's nice. It's huge. Hey, is it in the MCU? A, spy, a Spider-Man is, yeah. Yeah, but is this game in the same continuum of Spider-Man that's in the MCU? I don't think so, no. But they have... But there is an Avengers Tower. But they've made reference to Avengers M- Avengers Tower, and there's also Rand Enterprise, I think, something to do with like this. So there's references to... Oh, and there's also a Matt Murdock business card you get as well. So I there's references to... I've seen online there's the Wakandan Embassy there. And you can Spoilers. To, and you can go to Matt Murdock's Law Agency. So it does feel like they incorporate the MCU depth touches oh, rather cool. than having the characters. So it's not really laid it on with a trowel, but it's all there. Nice. It, it, it's great fun. I recommend getting it. It's just fun for swinging, really. I mean, like... Do you remember phrase that sentence? Classic swingers game. Really yeah. good. I mean, it's just, it's just great that you just, like... I just just drifting from building to building. It's easy to pick up the, the swing in. <laughs> I mean, he's, he's just a likable fellow, isn't he, Spider-Man? Do you know what? Not quite. Because, like, if you fail something and you have to do it again, you have to hear his rubbish punchlines or rubbish jokes over and over until you get it right. At that point, then yeah, you, start, get quite old. you start getting annoyed with him. My favourite moment in the game, though, is where you just completely stack it in a confrontation with, like, three low-level street criminals. One of them shoots you, and it's really funny because they say like, "What? I just killed Spider Man!" <laughs> but they can't believe they've done it, and that makes you feel so ashamed for failing. I got hit by a train as well, which is fun. Impressive. <laughs> Have you seen someone spent ages posing uh, a photograph, a photograph, you know, in the photo mode? He spent ages lining it up, so Spider Man's in the air, viewed from below, and it looks like a plane's going to go in his bum. Absolutely classic. <laughs> ah, he spent no. like an hour trying to set that up. I've seen somebody recreate the Spider-Man Homecoming poster. You know the one where he's above the New York State Building. So oh, really? Recreated that, which was really nice. Don't you think? Does it? Does it feel like this is Tom Holland's version of Spider-Man? The Spider-Man movie. Not very really. To love with the Avengers and Homecoming. I wouldn't say so. More, it's got more Tobey Maguire vibe to it. I'd say like that kind of era Spider-Man. Yes. Yeah, Spider-Man Two. Yeah. Like, it really feels... Because I thought that was actually where that series climaxed. And this feels like... Yeah, it's got the same vibe, for sure. It's a good Tobey Maguire, if not Spider-Man 3 Tobey Maguire. 
No, he's not dancing in it. And the Wilson Fisk kingpin guy in this, like, he's a really good character in this. Yeah, actually quite sort of morally grey. Quite interesting. Yeah. So he's like a current Marvel MCU villain and actually has some decent backstory. Well, no, current MCU villains, like, are just right. Like, Killmonger. <laughs> it's basically like... And Thanos, like... It's basically the good guy. But from a different point of view. Well, the classic anti-heroes, aren't yeah. they? Yeah, yeah. Fisk is a good anti-hero in this. Like the characters are cool. It's, yeah, I think that's why I'll finish it because it's it's a good, compelling superhero story. I mean, the Spider Spider-Man has got a good raft of villains to work against. I mean, as we mentioned, got Sinister Six, which is some of the greatest villains of all time, written in there. And you're always going to have Oscorp stuff. Well, Octopus is a cracking villain again. He's you know he's. Really, really a great character too. And you got Rhino. He dresses as a Rhino. Not Paul Giamatti, unfortunately. No, no, alas, alas. <laughs> but out of ten, what would you score it? Yeah, that's a good number. That one's one of my faves. Um, I'm gonna give it. I'm gonna give it eight. So it's worth picking up if you've got a PlayStation. Yeah, if I was really into Spider Man, it would probably be a nine and a half. Mm-hmm. I think it just depends how much you're into the subject material and. You know, if you hate open world games, yeah, you probably won't like it, but it's better than most. Anything more to say, Guy? Yeah. Geeky Brewery recommends Spider-Man. Yeah. Ryan, look at this advert on your telly. Smallfoot. It's Bigfoot, but smaller. Looks rubbish. What's that about? What, what, what kind of kids film? Oh, come is, on. Is it's it? a classic fish out of water story about a well, it's better cryptid than a ape. Hotel Transylvania 3, we've given up and put them on holiday. Now, do you know what? I want you to just call your jets there because um, <laughs> I've recently got quite into the Hotel Transylvania franchise, okay? Look, I'm a new dad. We're desperate for things to watch. Um, we went to the cinema earlier this year and we saw the poster for Hotel Transylvania 3. With a mo- this, it's got this wolf in it and every face he makes. It's really weird. We couldn't stop thinking about this wolf. And so we started daring each other to watch Hotel Transylvania and it became this like massive pressure <laughs> until eventually my wife succumbed and said, do you know what? Do you know what? We will watch Hotel Transylvania. <laughs> so, well, I wasn't serious. No, we will. We'll see the wolf. We watched it and it was all right. <laughs> it was all right. It was an Adam Sandler movie where he's Dracula and it was okay. And then we watched Hotel Transylvania 2. And I mean, you know, these are simple, by-the-numbers kids' movies, but they're quite charming. Not even the law of diminishing returns. If anything, it was slightly better, Ryan. High praise for Hotel Transylvania 2. <coughs> Sorry, Andy Samberg's in it. Everything Andy Samberg touches to gold. Touches to gold? Touches turns to gold. Did you see... I don't know, Hot Rod wasn't a very big success. What, gal? <laughs> it's a good film, it's not a commercial success. Yeah, it's a good film. Uh, did you see... Um, I know, I honestly, thank you for definitely nearly broke down, man. Did, did you see Popstar, the movie he did? No. Actually hilarious. Is that with him with the rest of the Lonely Island just yeah. messing around, basically? Yeah, and seals in it. No, and Michael Bolton. Not, not just a Michael seal. Bolton's in it. <laughs> yeah, of course Michael Bolton's in it. Yeah, it's really good. Um, the problem was, it was a movie satirising teen pop culture aimed at people in their early 30s who were the last people to want to see a movie about that. So I, I don't imagine it commercially did brilliantly, but it was super good. I've just got Michael Bolton in it, you can't go wrong, right? Yeah! Fresh off the boat. 
Well, but he's also going fresh off the boat. I mean, you, you can't go wrong with the big bolt, can you? So the, my favorite, the favorite thing is in fresh off the boat, he comes in as a partner to the restaurant, then leaves and gets replaced by Kenny Rogers in the restaurant, then called Kenny Rogers Michael Bolton's. <laughs> Andy Sandberg, no, he's good. I don't think I've seen a bad Andy Sandberg. I, I hold my hands up. Brooklyn Nine Nine is one of the best comedies that have been on TV in the last decade. Although, no Nine. I think, I think it's getting a bit less good as it goes on. They've reached the hundred episode syndication mark now. That usually means the turning point of the series. I I think it's been feeling a little bit, you know, it's just a little bit less juice in the tank. But it's got Terry Crews. Of course, it's got Terry Crews. So it's going to last until Terry Crews gets bored of it. Yeah, it's beautiful and great <laughs> because of Terry Crews. If not for everything else in it. I just think it's a little little flatter than it was. Yeah. Great show though. What do you say in my name? I watched it in years. You, you gave up watching it? I've got too much to do, Ryan. I've, I'm, so I'm short, too busy mate. seeing Barry Manilow and <laughs> Garbage. You're and... getting buried in the morning, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not start this again. <laughs> Do you wonder how many people called them garbage when they first came out? No, nobody. Nobody. Well, I'm listening to garbage. <laughs> the people that live on that side of the street in Oxford. So that. <laughs> that one side of the street. The Guardian side. Oh, that's really garbage. They are a good bar. Maybe they can play Tiffany's birthday. Who's <laughs> that Tiffany? That's not, like, it's not, it's no Olivia, is it? That's a good, rich, rich person. Name. No, actually, Olivia's a super common name now, isn't it? Her niece is called Olivia. Really? Yes. I mean, how was actually? I've got cousins called Olivia, so you know. <laughs> I'm just saying it's a classy name. I'm digging myself into an abyss here, aren't I? Veronica, we'll settle on Veronica. But the thing is, when you get nouveau rich, they they go too far into the stupid name territory. That's why you end up with like Tallulah. Tallulah. I'm trying to think of a Tallulah I, I know that I can shame you with now, but you've got away with this one. <laughs> it's like when Bob Geldof named his children, it was kind of like, what's the most reaching kind of posh name I can come up with? Ryan, you're becoming classist. Yeah, this is a class war. You're turning the podcast into a class I'm war. I'm going to build a wall down the middle of this road. <laughs> Cast war. You build a wall down the middle of this studio. <laughs> I think it's time to wrap up anyway. Guy, where can we find you online? Do you have to find me online? Like, uh, do you need to find me online? Like, what Don't purpose? Don't you have to share your ridiculously expensive record collection? Uh, what purpose is finding me online going to do for you? Final Guy H Instagram. I like how he has the big protest and then just slides in at the end there. Yeah, he didn't. He didn't not do it. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't not do it. Nate, where can we find you? Uh, you can find me as ever, enduringly, patiently, lovingly. Uh, you can fall into my arms at Frog Croakley on Twitter. That's F-R-O-G-C-R-O-A-K-L-E-Y. Please give Nate a follow. He's chasing his 10,000th follower at the minute. Yes, if you are my 10,000th follower, uh, let me know with the code word Brummy, and I will draw you a picture of any comics character of your choosing from memory... Uh, in about five minutes in MS Paint. That's my promise to you. Quality. The yeah. main character and four kids from Rubber Bank. Yeah, I'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> MS Paint, five minutes, I'll do it perfectly. <laughs> Render a picture of Keith Bloomfield in comic form. I could do it, yeah. If if he unfollows me and follows me back to become my 10,000, that's what he'll get. 
You can find me, as always. Oh, I don't know. Um, during, during that willy on that plaque, uh, erect <laughs> plaque, I don't know, that's probably what you're doing this week. I don't know, down A, down A&E, crying about your toenails. Milking his blackened toe. <laughs> you make it sound like you got a disease from the First World War. Yes. Oh, he's got blackened toe. A no trench <laughs> Sending him back from front, he's got blackened toe. Honestly, it's like someone glued a beetle's ass to the, the end of your digits. I don't know why I turned into Sean Bean then. Do you know right? You'd be crap in the front line. Oh, I'm blind, really of course I'm blind. I'll be like Rene in right, Young Indiana Jones. it's me, Boromir, in World War One. I'll be like Rene in Young Indiana Jones. The man who has no right to be on the front lines. <laughs> Just this blind guy ambling around with a rifle. You'd be there, like making like, making wisecracks, looking for laughs, trying to be the joke of the batch, and uh, and then every, you just get killed straight away. Just think about Jason Isaacs in um, Death of Stalin. Uh, <laughs> that scene stealing of the decade that was. He, that man amazing. deserves more roles. Yeah, he's he's a proper talent. Yeah, Jason Isaacs, everyone, but not Sponsors. at Ryan Parrish. <laughs> <laughs> So you can find me online on Twitter at Ryan Parrish. You can find the foodie stuff at Brummy Gourmand. And don't forget you can find us all at Geeky Brummy on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, geekybrummy.com, on YouTube at Geeky Brummy. What did we decide you were doing though? Was it was it the the, the, the plaque, the war, or the or um, a, a combination the A&E? A combination of all three. <laughs> we just got busy week go, this week. We're gonna go war A and E plaque. Classic weekend, yeah. He's in a war. He's annoyed. He's been in a war, so he's got, so he's got, he's gone to A and E about it, and he's injured, and he's so annoyed at the trim he got on A and E that he's decided to graffiti well, a plaque. Like a class war is a bit of a dessert war, you know. Just, just keeping the full set of wars going here. Enjoy your war, Ryan. Yes, we might have an info war afterwards. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Farewell. <laughs>